0: and pull out your message notes. I'm going to share just, I really this morning just want to share from my heart. Um, It's a message that's been in my heart for the last couple of weeks. If you went to Saturday morning prayer, uh, I started to share the scripture there. Our staff, I shared it with our staff. Uh, First Wednesday, I shared a little bit on it of first Wednesday. Uh, I just believe that I have a word and I don't even know if it's for you as much as it's for me that we're in the middle of a miracle. Everybody say miracle. Uh, we've seen this happen many times in the history of our church. Uh, one of the miracles, Phyllis and I, when God called us to launch Anchor Bend, back then it was called the church. Uh, I remember feeling very inadequate. I remember feeling like, okay, God, you want us to launch a church, but we don't have any resources. Anybody ever had God tell you to do something that you felt unqualified for? maybe felt like, I don't have what I think it takes. And well, we were in that category, and I remember telling God a couple of things, you know, if this is your vision, you're going to have to provide for it. And I remember even one time saying, okay, God, if I ever get late on our bills, I'm going to go get a job and I'll plant this church as a side job. And uh, just made this whole thing, God, if you want us to build a church, we're going to do it with excellence. How many know God loves excellence? Like there's something about excellence that glorifies God. And so if you do anything excellent, how many know it ain't cheap? (laughs) Hello? Like it ain't cheap and it's not free. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you energy. It's going to cost you money. And I just feel like God loves it when people launch churches with excellence and with faith. And, and the way I say it is, look, I, I love faith. I don't like blind faith. Like I want to know what it is that I've got to fight. I mean, know David knew he had to fight a giant. Sometimes we live life and it's blind faith. It's like, well, what's it take? Someone says, well, I'm believing for God to give me a brand new house. That's awesome. What's it going to take to get you into that house? Well, I don't know. Well, that's blind faith. If you're believing for a house, you ought to know what steps need to be taken. And then you believe for the steps to be taken to possess what you believe God's calling you to possess that's faith faith is naming the giant Goliath like I'm gonna fight Goliath that's you know I'm gonna take some stones and a slingshot I know what my weapons are and so I think so many times we fight with blind faith and God says look I'm a good God like hey look this tractor supply it's not like hey we need a lot of money we need seven hundred thousand dollars right you got it down to the T of what we need, we know how many days, and so just throughout the journey of this church, there have been these moments where it took us 11 months to launch this church. We raised one hundred and ninety eight thousand dollars in eleven months. We didn't even have anybody coming to the church. Come on somebody, let me know that's a miracle. Remember when we got ready to, to, to launch uh, in the movie theater? We launched on day one, 345 people. And I've told you all of these things. But every step of the way, it took a miracle. And what I recognize is God positions you for the miracle, but you still have to walk it out. It's the super and the natural. And both of them have to work together. And so what I have found many times, uh, James fixed me a little bit. I feel like it's kind of... What I have found many times is this, when God positions you for a miracle, many times it's not even the the devil or the enemy that keeps you from the miracle, it's you that keeps you from the miracle. I think the devil gets too much credit. I think we just blame the devil because it's easier for me to blame the devil than to take responsibility. And I think if we can blame him, I don't have to fix me. And so what I recognize, it's, it's like when you birth a baby. I've never birthed a baby, praise God. But I've been with my wife who has birthed babies. It's the last month of the pregnancy. It's, it's when she begins the birthing process. It's going into the hospital. I mean, know that's the most dangerous time for the baby is when it's being birthed. And so I'll tell you this. That's where we're at with our miracle. Like we're at the birthing place. And so we have to realize that the enemy doesn't want us to birth the miracle that God has for us. And so you say, well, why is that? It's because we're in a battle. And so the problem many times in our lives is we get a little to sleep. We come to church. We give our lives to God, and I'm going to talk today to those of you that are Christians and believers here and and really think I'm having a huddle with our church. You know, you give your life to Christ, and it's good, and you recognize that you were in bondage, that you were in slavery, that the devil really did try to steal, kill, and destroy your life. But somehow when we get saved, what the enemy wants us to do is to help you think you're not in a fight. Like you kind of get lulled to sleep. It's like, well, I go to church I tithe, maybe or maybe not. I serve occasionally. I'm living a good enough life. I need you to know Jesus didn't die on the cross so you could live a good enough life. And so I get concerned when we begin to be complacent with where we're at. Because that's when the enemy can defeat us. That's when the enemy can rob you of the miracle. And not even by having to do anything. Just causing you to be out of alignment for what God has for your life. And so we're in this place of a breakthrough. Now, breakthrough, I talked a little bit about it this last year. Breakthrough is really a miracle is a is really a uh, military term. When you talk about a breakthrough, there's two opposing forces that are fighting against each other, and a breakthrough is where one of the opposing forces breaks through the other's line of defense. They break through into the enemy's territory and they take enemy territory. Now, I know some of you could be thinking, well, listen, pastor, we're just purchasing tractor supply. Well, let me help you understand. Yes and no. It's a physical transaction. Nico, I just baptized you. You saw all that spit? That's holy spit, brother. Come on, somebody. You are in a blessed place, son. Did y'all see that? I was like... Whew. Yes, we're taking tractor supply, and it's a physical transaction. And look, it takes physical dollars. So you can say, well, you know, it's a spiritual thing happening. Yeah, but it takes real dollars to purchase a real physical property. But I need you to understand this. That building has been used to sell farm farm equipment to farmers to till the soil of the ground. And now we just signed a contract for that place to be the place where the gospel is preached to till the soil of men's hearts. So it's not about making money for a corporation, it's about changing lives for Jesus Christ. And so you have to understand because if that miracle is going to happen, first a miracle has to happen in your life. Sometimes it's so easy to say, well, the church and that church and them and Anchor Ben, but you have to remember the church is made up of you and the church is made up of me. And so if the church is going to have a miracle, you have to have a miracle. Like, that's where we're at in this place. We're in this thing together. And so what you have to know is that any time a miracle's about to happen, that it takes all of us so that we can see God do what only God can do. Sometimes you can sit back there and say, well, my little part is insignificant. No, baby, your big little part is a big part. Why? Because it's what God spoke to you to give. And that's where you have to be careful with legacy, you know. And, and, and I'll tell you to be the first one. You can't come in here... And sit and participate and say, well, God, I thought you said this, but I'm only going to do this. No, baby, do all of what God said. Why? Because it takes all of us to do your part. And sometimes you can say, well, my part is not as much as everyone else's. But listen, it's your part. It's what God has you doing. It's where you're at in your life. And then here's what's happened. Then when that happens and you obey, then God blesses you. You have a time of this harvest season in your life. And what's he doing? He's preparing you because if you think that campus is the first and one and only campus we'll ever have, you're wrong. I believe God's going to give us multiple properties, multiple campuses, multiple places to preach the gospel. And so, you know, 5.1 million right now is a lot to us now, but the next one will be 10. When he, it doesn't matter the amount because every one of them are a step of faith. I don't think we'll ever get to the place where it's like, oh, we got it. God, we don't need you. No, no, no. It's always going to be a stretch. It's always, God, we need you for the miracle that you're setting up in our lives. So we're experiencing a breakthrough. And what you must understand is if you think the devil's not coming after you or attacking you or going to try to attack you, you need to wake up. Matthew chapter 11 verse 12 says, And from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. And violent people are attacking it. Now, look, I don't think that it's people that are mean or cruel or anything. It's the demonic forces that use them to try to stop what God's doing in his kingdom in this earth. But we got to wake up and say, listen, I am in a battle. I'm in a war. I'm in a fight. And if we're going to experience this miracle that God has for us, we're all going to have to take territory together. What does that mean? That means God's got something for you to take whether it's business, job, finances, whatever it is, I believe this is a moment where God's going to break past the barriers that you have been stuck in, in your life. But we got to be careful because the enemy would love to stop us. Second Corinthians two eleven. Look what it says: so that Satan will not outsmart us. How many know the devil's smart? This ain't his first time at the rodeo. Look, he's smart. Look at what it says: for we are familiar with his evil schemes. I, I think the devil's smart, but he's not original. Come on, somebody. I mean, you know, he knows how to get us at our weakest moment, but he ain't that original. And so if we'll wake up, we can recognize it's the enemy trying to attack and steal what God has for us. And here's my desire this morning. I want to make sure the enemy doesn't rob us of our victory. Like, we're going to walk this thing out. We're going to move forward. We're going to advance the kingdom of God. But don't kid yourself if you think it's just going to happen peacefully. Like the, the enemy's just going to lay down and say, oh yeah, go ahead, take that territory. Because I believe this is what's going to happen. We get that building, you're going to see acceleration and multiplication. Things are going to happen like we've never seen why. Because it's positioning for what God has us for in the future. So, I have just a couple of thoughts, things that I have been pondering on in my own heart that I think will help us as we walk this out in our lives. 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. This is the verse of passage that I've been studying, praying about, meditating on, and pondering. And I hope it blesses you this morning. It says, Therefore, my dear brothers, this is Paul speaking, and sisters, stand firm. Everybody say, Stand firm. Stand firm. Now, When you look at stand firm, what he is not talking about there is staying in one physical location. Like, hey, just stand right there and don't ever move. How many know that's a little ridiculous? Like, could you imagine staying in one spot and never move? That's not really what God's talking about. What he's talking about is, look, I want you to stand firm. Don't lose the ground that you have already obtained so that in our life, You have obtained ground, spiritual ground in your life. And so what Paul is saying, he's saying, listen, stand your ground. How many know sometimes in life the only thing I can do is stand? I don't have the strength to go forward. I don't have the strength to push, but I can stand still. I can allow myself to stay in the same place that God brought me to and not give back the enemy, the territory that God has taken in my life. So what does that look like? That sometimes, listen, that's making sure you just continue to pray. Don't stop praying in the middle of a fight. Just keep praying. Keep doing what you've always done. Make sure that you read your Bible. Make sure that you're worshiping God. Look, when you're in a season where God wants us just to stand firm, look, what we got to do is keep coming back to church. Don't Don't stop going to church. How many know sometimes when the enemy attacks your life, it's so easy to miss a Sunday? Why? Because things are happening. And then have you ever missed one Sunday and one Sunday turns to two Sundays and three Sundays and four and then you're like, oh, pastor, it's been a little while, you're still my church, but I got out of the rhythm of my life. And so sometimes what do we do? Just keep going to church. Keep serving. If you're already serving, don't stop serving. Keep serving. Keep going in small groups. Keep giving. Keep tithing. Keep giving offerings. Why? Because it's time to stand firm and then look he continues he said let nothing move you always give yourself fully to the work of the lord because you know that your labor in the lord is not in vain and that's really what i want to talk about this morning is how do i stand firm god you position me for a miracle you position our church for a miracle so how do i stand firm first thing is this don't get ready be ready Sometimes, what we do is we say, I'm gonna get ready, I'm gonna get in position. And what you gotta understand is you're already in a fight. So it's not about getting ready, it's about being ready with my life. That's why Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. Look, I hate to tell you this, but the moment you draw breath as a baby infant till the moment you give your last breath as an adult when you're dying on your deathbed, there is a fight from then to there. It never stops. And so the challenge many times is that we forget there's a fight and we forget that the enemy is out to steal, kill, and to destroy and we become complacent. And then what happens is the enemy whoops up on us because we forgot every moment of this life while I draw breath there is a fight and a battle to be waged. That's why you can't be surprised. Listen, even in this legacy season, in this The enemy starts to attack your finances. Don't quit. I mean, no, that's a great indication. Okay, devil, I got you. Ha ha ha. You want me to stop tithing? I'm not gonna stop tithing. You want me not to give? I'm not gonna not give. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna be obedient. Listen, don't, don't be surprised when you fought with your spouse all the way to church this morning and you almost didn't make it inside this auditorium, and you're not even sitting real close to the person on the right or left. Don't be surprised. Why? Because the enemy's trying to rob you of the miracle that God has positioned you for in your life. You'll be surprised if your kids start acting crazy. They've been good their whole life, but now they start going sideways and acting crazy. Why? Because we're in the middle of a fight. Don't be surprised if your boss acts the way they do now. You're like, what in the world did I do? The enemy is mad. Why? Because you're in position for a miracle, and he wants to rob you of the miracle that God has for your life. you got to be on guard. So I think many times we get caught off guard. Have you ever been caught off guard by something? Anybody ever been surprised? And, hey, Nico, come up here real quick. I want to I use you. as an... Come on, for real. <laughs> I spit on you. I can now use you, I guess. He's been baptized. Hey, stand, I didn't tell you I was going to use you today. So like, it would be as if God spoke to Nico to say, hey, look, I want you to stand still. Don't move. Look, I'm not God. I'm just saying. <laughs> Relax. You good? Yeah. Okay. So what just happened to Nico? He moved. Why? Because I told him, relax, but I'm not God. See, I think some of you have been talking to the devil like he's your friend. So if you were told to stand still and I'm not God, and God told you to stand still, what are you going to do next time I try to push you? Yeah. How do you keep from getting pushed? See, look. He's—he's he's See, I think what happened is, you can relax. I won't push it again. Okay. Stay right there, though. <laughs> so we, we walked in, and the enemy's like, hey, babe, just relax. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. You're like, it's all good. And you've been talking to the devil like he's your buddy. No, no, no. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. He'll lie to your face. Come on. Telling you. And so, Nico ought to be in a posture like this. God, you told me not to move. I don't care who comes around me. I don't care if you. How I know? Mean, sometimes even friends will be used. But yep. Peter was Jesus' friend. And Jesus said, get behind me, devil. Right. And so, you got your friends talking in your ear. But God never told you to move. You've been listening to them like they're the voice of God. God said to, to, to stay, stay still, stand your ground. So, you do whatever it takes. Thanks, Nico. Give it up for Nico. So you gotta make sure, look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be ready for what the enemy brings against me. And how do you do it? You stay in position. That's really what it's all about. I cannot move. So whatever you're doing today, don't stop doing that. I know, I know that you may mess up. Listen, and here's what I have found too. Look, maybe you sinned or you you found yourself being, uh, you know. <sighs> selfish. Anybody ever been selfish? I was mad at myself this morning. I actually had to repent. I said, God, I was really selfish and I was really convicted. But I mean, you know, sometimes when you do something and you feel like you blew it, the enemy's like, well, you done blew it anyway. Just go on back. It's like, no devil, go on back to hell. I ain't backing up. I'm staying here. And even if I made a mistake, I'm not moving. Some of you disqualify yourself. God didn't disqualify you. You allowed the enemy to cast shame on you and you backed up. I think we get distracted. You get out of position because you get, how many know life is distracting? How many know we can be entertained? And uh, I I love Hulu and this Disney Plus, and it's awesome, I I, I ain't hating on nobody because we got it too. But I just want to ask you this, how many of you have already binge watched on something? Okay, I'll raise my hand. Phyllis, raise your hand. (laughs) Uh, And I thought, you know, sometimes it's easier to watch TV than face reality. So what's the enemy? And I'm not saying, listen, we, we, it's the holidays. Sometimes we get our family around, we bench watch. I'm not trying to be the Holy Spirit to you; you let Him do His job with you. But what I'm saying is, don't get distracted in such a way that the enemy can push you out of position. Maybe we, you know, begin to get distracted with work, all the bonuses and all the extra, and I, I don't know what it is. Just don't get distracted. How many know you can get out of position because you're tired? Anybody ever been tired? You're just like I'm. Just tired. I I just go back to this, and and listen, I'm I'm with you. I have seasons where I'm good and seasons where I'm tired. When I'm tired, I just remember what Jesus did for me on the cross. I just got to go back to, man, I know that I'm tired, God, but listen, I'm probably tired, if I'm open and honest, not because of your work being done in my life. I'm usually tired because I haven't been spending enough time with you. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And so we want to blame it on the church. But reality, it's the way I prioritize my personal life with God. And if I would get in your presence a little more, I bet I'd have some joy. And if I had some joy, I bet I'd have more strength. So the reality is it really falls on me. And God, I'm not going to stop doing what you told me to do because I'm tired. I'm just going to go to the source of my strength, which is you. I think, I think we get out of position because, you know, the truth is we get tempted. You know, if, if, if God's called you to be somewhere and to do something, sometimes it's, it's, it's like the grass is always greener on the other side. Like, I want to go be a part of that ministry or I want to go do that over there. And what I've learned is the same thing I've learned in marriage. Grass is always greener where you water it. And so we get we get this distraction of I'm be tempted to leave, but God didn't tell you to go to some other place. God just said be faithful in this place. He's never going to move you out there until you're faithful in here. Sometimes we get tempted to go with other people. We like other people better. Sometimes, I mean, you can be around people. You're like, I don't like them that much. And that's okay. God didn't call you here because he wanted you to like everybody. He called you here so he could smooth off your rough edges. And those people that you don't like, that's exactly what they're doing. They're smoothing your rough edges off. And maybe it's just a mirror where it's like, man, if I was looking at my, maybe I'm the person that I don't really like. You okay out there? <laughs> I need you not to forfeit the miracle God's bringing us to. Listen, I think sometimes we can get offended. I've I've been pastor in this church six and a half years, and it amazes me how offense creeps in and causes people to lose the miracle that God has for their life. Look, I know offensive things happen, but the problem is you judge people by their actions and judge yourself by your intentions. And so it's like, but I meant good, yeah, yeah, but that's not what everybody saw. And so you're so critical of everybody else. And here's the problem, too. You're going to allow what someone else did to cause you to lose the miracle God has for you. Look, I I read a story. I don't often read verbatim a story, but this was just too good. And I, I just want to read it this morning. There was a young man who was getting ready to graduate from college. For many months, he had admired a beautiful sports car in a dealer showroom. Knowing that his father could well afford it, he told his dad that's all he wanted for graduation. As graduation day approached, the young man awaited signs that his father had purchased the car for him. Finally, the day was there For graduation, and his dad called him into his private study, told him how proud he was to have such a fine son and how much he loved him. Then he handed him a beautifully wrapped gift box. Curious but somewhat disappointed, the young man opened the box and found a lovely leather bound Bible with his name in Boston gold on it. He was angry, so he raised his voice at his dad and he said, with all the money you have, you give me a Bible rather than the sports car that I wanted. He then stormed out of the house, leaving the Bible behind. Many years passed. The young man was very successful in business. He had a beautiful home, a wonderful family, but he realized his father was getting old, so he decided that he'd go see him because he hadn't seen him since that graduation day. However, before he could make arrangements to go, he received a phone call from the funeral home director telling him that his father had passed away and had willed all of his possessions to him. He was told he needed to come home immediately and take care of things. So when the son arrived at his father's house, sadness and regret filled his heart. He began to search through his father's important documents and saw the Bible that his father had given him for graduation. The Bible looked just as it did years ago when his father had given it to him. With tears in his eyes, he opened up the Bible, began to turn through the pages. His father had carefully underlined a verse, which was in Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. It reads, And if you, being evil, know how to give good, good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father, which is in heaven, give to those who ask him? As the son read those words, a key dropped from the back of the Bible. It had a tag on it with the dealer's name, the same dealer who had the sports car that he wanted so badly for his college graduation. And on the tag was the date of his graduation and the words written in large print, paid in full. See, offense robbed him of what his father had already purchased for him. So, what we gotta do is we gotta be careful that you don't allow fence to rob you for what God already has in your life. Look, don't forfeit your miracle because you don't like the packaging God sends it in. (laughs) Don't get out of position. That's where we're at. Don't let anything move you. And then the last one is this we just gotta go all in. We gotta go all in. Everybody say, all in. So this is a season, and, and if you're guest here or this is not your church, you can just check out right here. But if this is your church, if I'm your pastor, I'm asking you to go all in with us here today, right now, regardless of what your prior commitment has been. I'm asking us to say, God, we are going all in with what you're doing here at our church. It doesn't matter whatever it is that you are called to do whatever God speaks to you, but it's the fact of God, I'm going all in. And here's the challenge. I think some of us need to recommit ourselves back to God. See, you used to come to church out of love and devotion, but now you come to church out of obligation. It's like, God, you touched me, and you remember, listen, when when God saved you. For me, God saved me from drugs and alcohol, and and I was out messed up going out to a party. God saved me in my house. God set me free, and the reality is this. It's out of that love and devotion. Nobody makes me get up in the morning. I say, God, thank you for salvation. Thank you for setting me free. I remember what that used to feel like, what it used to be like, and God, you touched me, and I refuse to make it obligation only if that was the case then it would be religion. God's not looking for religion. He's looking for devotion. And here's the reality. You're in a season where I need you to do more than just show up. You got to do more than just show up. Showing up is not going to get us in position for this miracle. Now, listen, I want you to know showing up, thank you for being here. So glad you're here because, look, a lot of people didn't show up this morning. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Kind of happens on Legacy Sunday. (laughs) But we're in a season where we got to do more than just show up. How many of you work out? Anybody work out? Anybody think about working out? Anybody wish you worked out? Come on, somebody. When I turned 40, I really began to change. Something happened, and I just, I realized, man, I'm getting old. (laughs) And I realized I was going to change my life by working out and you know, hey, we all have our good seasons and bad seasons, you know, but over the last two and a half years, I've been working out pretty faithfully, three, four, five times a week for the most part. And it's very interesting. What I learned was just showing up at the gym doesn't bring transformation to my body. <laughs> I thought if I just showed up, like that's half the battle, right? Come on, somebody, I just showed up. Wouldn't that be awesome? You just walk in through the door and you're just like, what's up? What's up? What you doing? I'm working out. What's up? What you working? My mouth. What's up? You ever seen those people? They just walk through the whole thing. You're like, what do you do? It's like social hour at the gym. Like, don't talk to me if I'm at the gym. If you see me, say, hey, pastor, and I'll know that you come here, and I'll say, hey, I love you, and I'm gonna put my my hair, uh, earphones back in because I'm getting after work. But it's amazing that you could show up at the gym and not see any real transformation. I mean, you, know, you can even go take a shower at the gym. Come on, somebody. Wouldn't it be awesome? You just walk in the door, what you do? I'm working out, I'm gonna go clean, get clean, get clean, get clean. boom. I'm heading back to the to the office. How I many know you can get in the hot tub? And I love the hot tub. Come on, somebody. But how I many know getting in the hot tub don't make you any stronger? And and if you want to get stronger, you gotta have heart, you gotta have passion, you gotta expound some energy, you gotta go all in. That means when I get in here, I'm ready to put in some work. I'm gonna do whatever it takes. I'm going to make myself not only be disciplined enough to show up, but I'm actually going to put in the work that I need to put in so that my body is healthy, so that I can live a long life, so that I can be a good dad, so I can be a good pastor, so I can be who God's called me to be. I need you to know that you're a part of a spiritual body. It's called the body of Christ. And this church is like a gym. And the challenge is, you got to get this revelation. Here's a challenge just as showing up at the gym and just chit-chatting doesn't change it. I love the fact that you come to church, but did you know this is just the front door of getting your spiritual body right? Yeah. I mean, can you imagine? Hey, I show up to church, we do it. We just chit-chatted. It's awesome. It's awesome. Look, here's the other thing. Here, here's, and, and this is what I hope you really get. You can go to church and get clean, but not be strong. And that's the challenge. Got a lot of clean people that have no spiritual might. That's great. Listen, you can't do anything for salvation. Salvation's a free gift. You're clean. Awesome. We're going to heaven. Praise God. But did you know the moment that happens, now we surrender our life. I am crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So what does that mean? That means getting here is half the battle so now what do you do that means look I got to keep coming back keep coming back you got to show up at the gym then what go to next steps start serving on a team make sure you're tithing come on somebody tithing Why? Because that that releases a spiritual muscle. Did you know that it's not even about the money? That tithing is all about the heart. When I give God the first 10%, what I'm doing is saying, God, you have my life, you have my heart, and I give it to you. It's not even mine. I give it back to you. I'm a steward. What are you doing? Man, I'm working out spiritually, worshiping it, evangelizing, all those different things. And so here's what I need you to do in this season. I'm asking every one of you to go all in with us. All in, show up every week, go to next steps, serve on a team, give tithes, give offerings, give in the legacy, whatever the Lord spoke to you to do. Don't just do a portion of it, do all of it. God, I trust you. God, I believe you. God, I'm going to be a part of the greatest miracle that's taking place with our church. Get involved in small groups when they launch in January, February. That's how you build spiritual muscle then what are we going to do? We're going to see this region touch and change in such a powerful way. We've walked this thing out before. Listen, I'm not, like there's still a lot of work that has to be done, but how many know our God is able? He is well able. And if I could tell you anything, it's not even really about us. It's about the future generations that are going to come after us. Think about this. You get that building, That building will be used for the gospel of Christ until eternity. We can't do it by ourselves. It's going to take every one of us. I recently read a story, too, about a pair of horses that were in an old-fashioned horse pool. If you don't know what that is, that's where a horse puts a sled behind them, or people put a sled behind the horse and they put weight on it. And then they try to see who can pull the greatest amount of weight, which horse can pull the greatest amount of weight. And I read this story where there were these two horses that had their sleds weighed down with 4,500 pounds, And one of them was able to pull it, the other one wasn't, so they lowered it down 4,400. First place pulled 4,500 pounds. Second place pulled 4,400 pounds. And so the guys got together and thought, man, that's incredible. Can you imagine a horse pulling that much weight? They said, I wonder what would happen if those two horses did it together. If they worked as a team, if they came together and they pulled together, I wonder what they could pull. So they put those two champion horses and yoked them together to work together together. Those two horses didn't pull 9,000, which is double. They pulled three times as much as they pulled individually, 12,000 pounds. And that's what I look at with us listen, God doesn't work in just addition. It's not one plus one. It's three times. It's multiplication, but it's you doing your part and you doing your part and you doing your part and, and you doing your part. And when everybody is doing our part, pushing the sled forward, God does the supernatural and multiplies what we could do in the natural. But it takes all of us. I'm going to do this. I'm to just pray over us this morning and bless you out. Next week, I'm going to start a new series called Fear Not. It's a Christmas series, and Phyllis is going to preach two weeks after that, and so excited to dive into the season of Christmas and celebrate what God's doing. How many know He's doing something amazing? We get to be a part of it.